Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks take on the New England Patriots Sunday night football, just the fourth matchup between these two teams since Pete Carroll came to town. Always some good games and uh, maybe a game that we'd like to forget, but we won't get into that. We're going to talk to Mark Schofield of the Sco Show, part of the Pat's Pulpit on SB Nation, also writer for Touchdown Wire on USA Today. Mark, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Um, very intriguing game. Um, you could talk about any number of angles in this one. Uh, so it's going to be a fun show. It's going to be fun to talk about this one. And I'm just excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Mark. And when the schedule came out on this game, there wasn't a ton of excitement around it because I think at the time Jared Stidham was penciled in to be the starter for the Patriots. But as the season went on, we saw that this was going to be a primetime game. Then Cam Newton was signed on by the Patriots to be the starting quarterback. This game and matchup got a lot more intriguing. It got a lot more intriguing. And it I, I would say just generally speaking, the, the Patriots season got a lot more intriguing when they decided to sign Cam Newton. And it became pretty clear early on in training camp that it was going to be his job. And, you know, I, I think when you add a former MVP, you know, somebody that's played in a Super Bowl um, to take over for Tom Brady, you know, it just takes that interest level up a little bit more. And I think certainly when you see how both teams played this past Sunday, you know, obviously one team beat the Miami Dolphins, so it's not exactly a <laughs> massive victory. But, you know, both teams are 1-0. and um, Both teams, I think, right now feel better about where they are, um, you know, schematically even. I mean, you could talk about Seahawks fans being excited at the fact that they let Russ cook yes. here in week one. And so, you know, I, I think both fan bases are pretty excited about where their respective teams are right now, which certainly adds to it. And the fact that, look, it's, it's a Sunday night game. Um, I think that shows you, you know, when this schedule was released, how the league felt about these two teams. I think it's going to be a very good one on Sunday night and certainly a fascinating matchup with, like I said, a ton of storylines. The dynamic of the way Bill Belichick used Cam Newton in week one against the Dolphins. It it was very interesting to me. And I'm kind of I'm curious about your take on if that's more of what you expected or if this is completely uh, different from what you thought uh, Belichick might have have used Cam in week one. No, I think it's pretty much in line with how many of us thought they were going to use Cam Newton. And for a couple of reasons, one, you know, the Patriots have shown, obviously they've had Tom Brady for 20 years. Um, so there hasn't been a need on, on too many occasions to adjust the offense, but on the rare occasions when they had to, most notably when they had to start Jacoby Brissett twice, you know, back in that 2016 season, one of which was on a short week against Houston in a primetime game, they reinvented their offense. You know, they did a lot of designed quarterback runs, included one which they ran this past weekend with Cam Newton. His second touchdown was a play that they ran with Jacoby Brissett back in 2016. And so they had shown over the years an ability to sort of adjust their offense to fit the guy that was going to be taking the snaps. And I think that you have to, Brandon, sort of factor in the strange time we're all living in. You know, Cam signed late to begin with, but right. no rookie mini camps, you know, no OTAs, no preseason games, truncated training camp. They had to do the things that they knew everybody was going to be comfortable with. You know, I think there were some in, there were some instances on Sunday where if Cam had had more time, he might have called different plays at the line. He might have got them out of some looks. They had a run and play that. Miami had stacked the box and they went ahead and ran it anyway. I think mm. later in the season, you'd expect to see him audible out of that. 
but I think the game plan was we're going to let Cam do some of what he does best. We're going to use his legs. We're going to use a lot of you know zone read, read option type of stuff. He read it 15 times. I know people are worried that's not sustainable. Both Belichick and Josh McDaniels came out this week and said, look, a lot of those are option type plays where he's not always going to be keeping those. Just because we called it 15 times doesn't mean he's going to run it 15 times. And teams are going to start to adjust to him. So, you know, I think they did the best they could under the circumstances to put together a game plan for him. And I'm curious to see now, you know, that they have one game under their belt, that they start to open things up a bit for him. Well, if they do start to open things up, where do you think Cam's going apart from, because it seemed like Julian Edelman or uh, whoever the open checkdown was. Right. I mean, that's the million dollar question. And I mean, you ask any Patriots fan, you know, if there's a weakness on this team, they will immediately point to the wide receiver group. It's a, it's a work in progress. Let's just put it that way. I mean, yes, you have Julian Edelman. You have last year's first round pick, Nikhil Harry, who, did some nice things, but what most people will remember from that game was the fumble near the goal line. It looked like this was going to be a 21-3 to game, New England with the advantage. And in the blink of an eye, he, after he fumbled on the goal line, it was 14-11, and suddenly New England needed a drive to respond. And a lot of people have sort of pointed to that play and a couple of other plays from that game and said, look, Nikhil Harry just hasn't put it together yet. Now, Cam came to his defense this week, you know, a long answer, you know, when he met with the media on Wednesday about Nikhil Harry and what he means to this team and the growth that he's shown already. You know, so Cam's taking that leadership role. But you're right. Julian Edelman is it. You know, you have Harry, you have Damian Bird, Gunnar Olszewski. They hope to get back at some point. He's on IR right now. The wide receiver room is a question mark. And even Edelman, in a sense, is a bit of a question mark because he's older than Wes Welker was when he sort of started to fade away oh, wow. in this New England offense. And I've often equated the slot receiver in the New England Patriots offense to a running back. You get a lot of mileage, a lot of routes over the middle, a lot of quick hitters. You're running against linebackers and you're taking hits. That takes a toll on guys. And we saw Edelman wear down last year. He had the the chest injury and some other ailments. It seemed like even Brandon, they had him on a pitch count in week one. At times, it seemed like he was wide receiver three after Nikhil Harry and Damian Bird. So, you know, wide receiver is a big question. You know, that might be why you only saw 19 passing attempts from Cam Newton in week one. Not a lot of passes attempted downfield either. I, I only counted no. one that went about 20 yards and everything else kind of in that zero to 15 yard range. Yeah. I mean, they were really sort of constricting the playbook a bit. And part of that, you know, one of the things that the Patriots have done so well from, you know, the years I've been covering them from a week to week basis is adjust their game plan for the personnel they're seeing. And let, let's not forget, this is a Miami Dolphins defense that added some pieces in the secondary. You, know, you add Byron Jones. You know, they drafted a rookie out of Auburn in the first round, one of their three first-round picks. You know, they have Bobby McCain and you know Xavier Howard in the secondary. This is a talented secondary. So they might have felt going into this game that the part of that was by design. Mm. They're going to look touchdown, check down. They're going to take what this Miami defense gives them. They're not going to really challenge that secondary too much unless they have, you know, an easy shot type play. And they'll just try to work the ball down the field and get the running game involved. Maybe that changes this week. Maybe not. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about Seattle's defense. It might have to change because you look at the Seattle defense. I look at the linebackers. I look at Jamal Adams. And those are the guys that are keeping me up at night this week. So maybe they do try to test the secondary a bit more. Well, the Patriots are no stranger to Jamal Adams defensively. Is that familiarity, is that going to help the Patriots at all, defending against him on Sunday night? I, I think somewhat. 
but the interesting thing in watching Jamal Adams, you know, what he did against Atlanta, you're talking about a guy that played, you know, every defensive snap number one. But he was all over the field. I mean, when when I was watching, when I was studying what he did against the Atlanta Falcons, mm-hmm. you're seeing him down in the box. You know, you're seeing him down in the box. You, he, he had one snap at a cornerback spot. He had a bunch of snaps in the slot. But he was also playing as your traditional, you know, free safety in the middle of the field. He had, you know, 14, doing some math here on the top of my head, 14, so 26 or so snaps as a half field safety as well. They used him all over the place. That's very different than how the Jets were using him. The Jets used him more as your traditional box type safety with some other stuff mixed in. Seattle was more creative with Jamal Adams and it showed up. I mean, look what the guy did, 12 tackles, a sack. He was literally all over the field. And I mean, remember one play where he was lined up basically as a linebacker. They tried to run a little jet sweep end around with Calvin Ridley, something the Patriots like to do, particularly with Julian Edelman. And he tackled it for a loss, right. flying into the backfield. And so, you know, I think they are probably familiar with what he can do, but the usage was different, I think, from what we're there used to seeing from him when he was in New York. So that's going to be something they'll need to prepare for. Not going to be seeing a whole lot of Seahawks fans complaining about losing those first two uh, first not. round picks after that first game against the Falcons. No, not at all. I mean, he's. But I look at Adams as what you need in a safety in today's NFL. You know, and I've got a piece coming up with Pat's pulpit tomorrow on you know finding Jamal Adams and why I think he's a huge part to this game. And you need safeties that can cover tight ends, that can play half field, that can play middle of the field, that can play down in the box, that can sack a quarterback like Jamal Adams did against Matt Ryan. And so he's that prototype hybrid versatile safety that you need. And in the piece that's coming out tomorrow, I quote at length from Bill Belichick about Adrian Phillips, a similar hybrid type defender that they signed this offseason from the Chargers. And Belichick just stressed how important it is to have versatile defenders. You know, I think if you pulled Belichick aside, you know, got a beer in him or two, he'd tell you just how much he and how highly he thinks of Jamal Adams. Well, he certainly had a lot of praise of Russell Wilson this week. Uh, it was good. That's not too unusual to see from him, though, when it comes to a, a generational talent type player, is it? Absolutely not. I mean, he's. One of the things that Bill Belichick does extremely well is they could be playing my alma mater, his alma mater too, you know, Wesleyan University, a Division three school. Uh-huh. You know, the Patriots could be playing Wesleyan and Belichick would be talking them up like they are the greatest football team on the planet. <laughs> he, he will – like I remember a couple of years ago they were playing – I think it was the Bills. It might have been the Dolphins. Um, and there was a team that was struggling, let's put it that way. And he started his like, you know, weekly press conference about how good that team was on special teams, you know, because he didn't have much to work with, but he was going to find what he could to gas that other team up and keep his guys focused in the locker room. Um, So we're not, you know, we're used to seeing Bill Belichick, you know, throw some praise on the upcoming opponent. So you're but equating about- Russell Wilson to the Bills special teams. <laughs> I, I see where this is going, uh, Mark. And- but I, I, I think Belichick meant it you know, wholeheartedly when you started talking about Russell Wilson. And I, I tweeted it out today. I was surprised to see that, you know, Bill Belichick was a member of Seahawks Twitter, but I think it was a good thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, because it still pains me to this day as somebody that studies quarterbacks and likes the quarterback position that Russell Wilson has yet to secure a single MVP vote. That is one of the biggest travesties, I think, in the last like five years of, of covering the NFL, of watching the NFL. Because I'm with Belichick. You know, it's hard to replicate what Russell Wilson does 
on a week-to-week basis in any other NFL locker room. I mean, the Patriots went as far as to sign Miles Bryant off a practice squad, a former defensive back at the University of Washington, and he's been playing Russell Wilson in practice. They had to sign somebody to emulate Russell Wilson to get ready to play this game Sunday night. That's how highly Bill Belichick thinks of Russell Wilson. Well, we have seen the MVP vote in the past go toward a more narrative-style approach, uh, going back to Tom Brady. Oh, here's Tom Brady. He's 40 years old, and and look at the way he's playing, and that's the year he gets another MVP award under his belt. And now that the narrative is out there that Russell Wilson doesn't have an MVP vote, maybe that helps propel him to his first MVP season. Coming up next, I want to talk more Russell Wilson. How is Bill Belichick going to approach this matchup defensively against the Seahawks' top quarterback. We'll talk about that coming up next. Mark Schofield of The Sco Show and part of Pat's Pulpit on SB Nation joining the show, breaking down this game against the Patriots and Seahawks coming up. I'm curious how you think Bill Belichick is approaching this game defensively. You, you talked about how they, they did bring in, uh, assigned a guy just uh, to play Russell Wilson. And that... Patriots secondary, that's the scary part of this defense to me. It's one of the top secondaries in the league. Got the former defensive player of the year from last year as part of that secondary. What do you think Belichick is doing to just in in his approach defensively coming up this week playing Russell? Well, I think they're going to be two things. And we don't get a ton of access to the practices these days. And Belichick has notoriously been tight-lipped. But I will say that I did see, you know, a practice clip that got tweeted out of that, you know, former defensive back emulating Russell Wilson. And it looked like they were using in a drill that sort of mush rush where you're not trying to get to him. You're trying to contain him. Mm. You're trying to keep him in the pocket. It's almost like for those of you that – you know, and there's maybe one of you out there that played ultimate frisbee in your day. Oh, that was that, that was me in college. That was go. my game. You, you remember the, the the zone cup coverage where you have three guys that would sort of play zone on the man with the disc. That's kind of what they'll do. Uh-huh. They'll try to keep them sort of contained in that area. And I know obviously it's different because you know when you've got the frisbee in your hand, you can't move. But it's kind of that design. You sort of keep them contained in that little kind of cup. You know, that's what I think they'll try to do up front. But this is a defense in Bill Belichick's, and we saw it last year as well. The strength is in the secondary. Nobody was containing me in Ultimate Frisbee, so that there analogy just did, that's lost on me, Mark. It's lost on you. I got it. I got it. I played one year, man, and I was not good, so that will <laughs> keep it at that. But, I mean, this is this is a, a defense that strength is in its secondary. You know, one of the things that they're able to do is play some matchups the way they want to and mix and match their guys depending on who they're seeing week to week. Are they going to pressure the Seahawks to try and run the ball more than throw in this game? Because Bill Belichick's notorious for, you know, wanting to take away the strength of a particular team and, you know, trying to maybe force the Seahawks to keep it on the ground more. I feel like Pete Carroll would be comfortable with that, just knowing him historically. But um, I, I just am really curious to see. After watching Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and their offense in week one, if they would even be dissuaded maybe from going downfield quite a bit in this game. I mean, what I've seen in in studying Belichick and his defenses over the years and, you know, into last year and even beyond that, there has been a move by Belichick to really use a lot of sub packages, to really, you know, use a lot of, you know, 
five, six, even seven defensive backs. You know, last week, for example, when they played Miami, you know, 22% of the time, at least provided my numbers are right, they were in a 4-2-5, of the time a 3-3-5, 17% of the time a 3-2-6. You know, that's, provided again, my math is right, more than half of the time you're in some sort of sub package. And a lot of that is, you know, again, three guys down up front where you've got six or five defensive backs on the field and you're basically daring the offense to run the ball. You know, you're saying, look, right. we're playing pass here. Go ahead and run it if you want. You know, and you've seen the Patriots over the years. You know, I remember when they played Kansas City two years ago in the regular season, you know, there would be third and fourth and short, sometimes, you know, a second and goal from the four, and they'd come out on a three, two, six. Basically say, look, we'd rather you run it. You know, we don't want you to throw it. Mm -hmm. And so I think some of that might be at play Sunday night. They might come out with these sub packages and say, look, our strength is in our secondary. We feel better about our defense if we have our sixth defensive back on the field rather than our fourth down lineman or, you know, our fourth defensive front player. You know, so we're going to do this. You try to score on us however you see fit because we'd rather have our defensive backs on the field. And in a sense, that is daring them to throw. And it's daring them to get away from the throw it on first down numbers like we haven't seen before from the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Considering that strength defensively for the Patriots, and considering that the Seahawks went in the offseason, they signed veteran tight end Greg Olson, they have a healthy Will Disley on the team. How is the Patriots' defense historically against tight ends? I mean, it's, it's a work in progress at times. Um, Bill Belichick would be the first to tell you that there is nothing more dangerous to a defense than an athletic tight end. And in I mentioned some of those games against the Kansas City Chiefs. There were times in that first regular season with them two years ago, that Sunday night game that you know came down to the final field goal from Steven Gaskowski, they were doubling or tripling Travis Kelsey at times. Mm. I mean, Patrick Mahomes threw an interception at the end of the first half in the in the end zone where Kelsey came off the line, Dante Hightower jammed him off the line, then came after Mahomes, and he was bracketed by Devin McCourty, their free safety, who played some cornerback in college, and Patrick Chun. I mean, that's how they would treat him. Yeah. So Belichick is very acutely concerned and aware of what tight ends can do because they're mismatched type players, and he had perhaps the greatest mismatched tight end of all time in Rob Gronkowski, so he knows it from both sides. You know, and so when you're approaching this game, you, know, you wonder how they're going to defend Greg Olson. We might have gotten a window into that um, last week. Joan Williams, uh, second-round pick of theirs from last year, was a cornerback at Vanderbilt, but he's got some size and some length to him. They used him on many occasions against Mike Jusecki, sort of a big tight end, move-type tight end for the Dolphins. And we've been theorizing in sort of Patriots Nation about if Jawan Williams is going to be their like, tight end a racer in a sense, or at least they hope that's who he's going to be. That's what he can be. And we saw that maybe that's how they're going to use him. We saw that on Sunday. So that would be my guess, you know, is that they're going to look at Williams and say, okay, there's Greg Olson. That's your guy this week. So Jawan Williams could be a name to watch on that Patriots defense. Sounds like there's a rookie defender that Seahawks fans might be wanting to watch for, depending on how the Patriots decide to defend Russell Wilson. Yeah. And, and that's Kyle Duggar. Second round pick out of Division II Lenore Rhine. And having studied him a bit on film prior to the draft, having seen him in person down at Mobile for the Senior Bowl, this is an extremely athletic kid. 
you know, tested extremely well to combine. There were two sort of small school safeties that just tested out of the gym at Indianapolis. Duggar was one. Jeremy Chin, who was drafted by the Panthers, is another. Right. And Chin's basically playing in sort of a hybrid safety linebacker role. You know, Duggar only saw seven snaps against Miami. They didn't use him a ton. But I think this might be an occasion where, you know, they're not trying to put too much on his plate from a conceptual mental standpoint. They're trying to sort of ease him in because he was expected to, when they drafted him, you know, play on special teams this year and, you know, carry Patrick Chun's clubs and be his caddy for the season. But with Patrick Chun opting out because of COVID-19 concerns, they had to get him into the lineup. Um, I think this game might be a chance for him to do a bit more because if it's third and six and you're Bill Belichick, you know, what are you worried about the Seahawks offense doing? Creating, or more specifically, Russell Wilson creating and making something happen. And it might be a situation where you need to spy him. And that would be an ideal assignment for Kyle Duggar, given his athleticism, given the fact that it's not a read that he has to make. He doesn't have to read his keys or his cues or anything like that. It's just, there's number three, spy him. Don't let him get the first down. That might be a situation where you see this rookie see you know, 15, 20 snaps as a result of the simple task of trying to stop Russell Wilson. Well, Mark, how do you see this game just playing out on Sunday night? Do you have any particular predictions going into this game? I mean, I I would be surprised if New England wins this one. I mean, I know that probably sounds a little bit strange. New England Pats guy. Um, (laughs) It's a tough game. It's a travel game. Um, You know, Obviously, it won't have the full effect of the 12s because, you know, the COVID-19 sure. lifetime of life that we're all living through. But it's still going to be a very difficult task, a very difficult atmosphere. And this is an offense that I think right now is still limited schematically. Now, I could be wrong about that. and Maybe they were playing things really close to the vest, like I said, because of concerns about the Miami secondary. But I do think that, look, this is a game that when this schedule was announced and the Patriots, this is how their season begins. It's... Miami at home, at Seattle, Raiders at home, at Kansas City, Denver at home. I'm looking at that as like three and two is fine. Like you lose those two road games at Seattle, at Kansas City, that's completely acceptable as long as you win those three at home. And so I've kind of, this is a, you know, they're playing with house money in my mind. I would expect Seattle to win this one. Um, Would it shock me? Would I be blown away if New England won? No. I mean, because look, they're getting paid to play too. But I do think Seattle has the advantage here. Well, the thing that concerns me going into this game is the defensive line, and it was an issue going into the game against the Falcons. They get up multiple scores and still were unable to get pressure on Matt Ryan. So that part definitely concerns me in this game. We saw some early runs by Todd Gurley right up the middle, and they got away from that. Ultimately, I think Jamal Adams did have a little something to do with that. But if they're unable to stop the run with Cam Newton and just that power game up the middle of the field, I I do think that uh, Belichick's not going to hesitate to exploit that throughout the game either. I mean, I, look, you know, one of the things we have seen, like I said, from Belichick and McDaniels is they're going to do what they need to do on a game-to-game, sometimes a drive-to-drive basis to win games. You know, people often ask me, you know, fantasy reasons, like what running back from the Patriots should I play? I have no idea. Like, because <laughs> I can sit here and tell you, look, look, this is a Sony Michelle week, and it might not be. I could have sat there and told you last week, you know, and I did. I said, look, I'm not so sure about Sonny Michelle. And he was like the focal running back for them. So they will find what they think matches up best for them. You know, and if it's going to be one running back or the other, they'll try to come in with a game plan that they think will work best against what they're seeing. You know, given some of the struggles from that Seahawks defensive line, like you mentioned, 
They might really try to pound this away, wear that group down a bit, then use, you know, some play action plays off of that to try to you know, get some shot plays over the top and maybe steal a cheap one here or there. I mean, I'm sure they'll be ready with a game plan. It's just a matter of will it be enough to stop and beat Russell Wilson at home? He's Mark Schofield. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. You can subscribe to his podcast as well as this one by going to SBNation.com slash NFL podcast. Mark, appreciate you coming on and breaking down the game. Thank you so much, sir. This was a blast. Should be a good one Sunday night. Can't wait. He mentioned it earlier. It's up now at patspulpit.com. Look for the article titled Film Room Finding Jamal Adams. Definitely worth checking out for those of you who like those film breakdowns. Looking at the injury report from Friday after practice, Cedric Abwehi and Rasheem Green, who sat out practice most of the week, they have now been listed as doubtful going into Sunday's game. Philip Dorsett, who has been out with a foot injury, limited in practice all week, he is listed as questionable. For the Patriots, Josh Uche, the only player listed as out going into Sunday, and then they have six players down listed as questionable. Three of them wide receivers, Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, Matthew Slater. Slater and Edelman listed with knee injuries, Harry with a shoulder injury. Linebacker Brandon Copeland is listed with a knee injury. Tight end Dalton Keene, a neck injury. And defensive tackle Adam Butler, a shoulder injury. So that's a look at your injury report. Continue to follow along at fieldgoals.com. After the game, we will have a breakdown for you right here. Stay tuned. Subscribe to the show, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts, and get it in your feed as soon as that's released. We'll talk to you then. Go Hawks.